All right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I am your host, BK. Alongside me today, uh, you know him well. He's on every podcast so far. Scott, in studio. Hey, happy 2014, everybody. Yeah, this is our first one of the season. Um, so, And uh, on the phone, we have Wick. Wick, how's it going? Hey, guys, how are we? Welcome back to a new season of uh, podcasting. A new season of Reds baseball, a new season of podcasting, a new season of Red Reporter. It's it's all good right now. Absolutely. New season uh, complete with uh, alcoholic beverages from what it sounds like, according yeah, to Wick. As, as we do. Yeah. Hope is springing eternal in our in our pint glasses and our hearts. Even for Cubs fans. <laughs> and if you're a Cubs fan listening to this, you know, no hate. No if you're hate. a Cubs fan listening to this, why are you listening to this and not some other Cubs podcast? Because <laughs> what would they listen to if they were a Cubs fan? I don't know. Like, what would they complain about? <laughs> well, what would they not be able to complain about? Darwin Barney? They would probably be listening to dubstep if they were a Cubs fan. So, all right, let's let's get this started. Um, <laughs> this is going so well. So <laughs> and uh, there's only, yeah, only three of us today, but uh, we're recording this on March the 4th, 2014. Happy Mardi Gras. It is Fat Tuesday. And, uh, yep. Yeah. That's happening. About that. So, uh, <laughs> we're about a week into spring training. Um, you know, the team reported about a month-ish ago. So, you know, we've just been kind of dealing with uh, what's been going on since then. And really before that, there really wasn't any news since the last time we podcasted. I mean, really, when you think of the Reds' off season, there was probably a two-month period of nothing. So, welcome Skip Schumacher to the team, and, uh... Brian Price as well. Yeah, Brian Price is now the Reds' manager. What do, what do we got, what do we think of that hire, guys? Wick? I, I pretty like, I pretty much like it, you know, he's, he seems like he had, uh, obviously had, you know, good insight into the staff that had been around the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and even though he got promoted, he thought there was enough of a, uh, motivation for change, he went out and got what... Don Long, Jeff Pico, and Jay Bell to, to round out his staff. So he, he identified people that he'd worked with before and that he respected to bring them in and mm-hmm. kind of set up a new shop. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of refreshing. I, you know, as much success as Dusty had, I think if you have success and you keep the same core together and then something stagnates, it's you got to shuffle the deck at least a little bit. And it seems like Price has done that with uh, a pretty qualified cast of characters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Price gets the benefit – or I guess the Reds get the benefit of Price, who brings the institutional memory of knowing all 25 guys on the roster, or at least all 25 guys at the end of 2013. In many circles has been, you know, a highly prized commodity in terms of managerial aspects. I mean, he he interviewed for the Mariners' job. He interviewed for the Marlins' job and basically said, screw you guys, and uh, which, good reason. Uh, (laughs) It's really, it's pretty much a home run for, if, pardon my baseball pun, but it's a home run hire for the Reds. You know, <laughs> it's you a have, touchdown. <laughs> you know, you have a guy who's, you know, he was probably going to be hired as a manager somewhere this offseason, so you were going to lose him if you didn't hire him. And you have the change of pace guy you were looking for. 
you, you know, pr- Price is probably as good as anybody else that the Reds could have brought in from outside of the organization. Right. I don't, I don't think that there was any glaring omissions that the Reds didn't bring in as far as, you know, guys that they overlooked for this gig. I mean, I think, I think Price, Price was the right guy. And I think the most important part is that the players are on board with it. Like yeah. even from, from day one, you know, you have guys that were endorsing that hire and, you know, Hey, I, I talked to you, Brian Price the other day and, you know, having that, from the players, I think is going to be huge. Well, most importantly, most of the pitchers were the guys that were most vocal about him getting the gig. Yeah. I mean, you've got folks like Sammy Lequeur saying that, hey, this is fantastic. This is perfect. This is exactly what the all right. 25 of us need. And I think Leto said several things to that effect as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And the, the other thing is, you know, it's not like a, a, an organization that was pitching starved. Mm-hmm. You know, sought out a, a pitching guru to bring in to be in their manager. Like the Reds have a core pitching staff, both starters and bullpen, that have worked with him for three years. So to to pull him a little bit away from them to take over the rest of the team that is now a pitching dominant team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a development aspect that needs him there, which kind of gives him the ability to to, to kind of uh, uh, to, to pass that torch on, but not have it done to. Uh, a young roster or a bunch of young arms. Like they've got the, that, that core has what Brian Price is going to teach them beat into their heads right now. And they can run with that without him having to be on top of them. And it kind of gives, you know, them a little bit of space and it gives him a little bit of chance to, to go on and do his thing too. Right. Just moving on from that. Um, the other big reds move of the off season happened right after spring training started. And when they, uh, Gave a new contract to Homer Bailey. Was six years, one hundred and five million, I believe. Right. With with options on that, so um, I personally, I think that this was that was the right move. Um, I think that you know, given what he's going to be worth within the next couple of years, as long as he's healthy, I think that that's that's that was what they need to do there instead of letting him go. Right, and I think you know. That caveat that you gave, as long as he's healthy, is the big question mark. Yeah. Uh, and more so this spring training, and I know this is going to be an issue that we're going to discuss a little bit more in terms of Matt Latos. Uh, you know, over the past, mm-hmm. I guess, year, year and a half maybe, the discussion has been, who are we going to extend? Is it going to be Bailey or is it going to be Latos? Because clearly we may not have enough money for both. Until now, my tendency has been, well, you extend Latos because the Anson had a, a history of injuries, yeah. while Bailey has. That being said, now that Latos <laughs> is injured, and we'll discuss that a little bit more, uh, I would want to revise and extend my m- remarks by saying that ever since Homer has bulked up uh, since the beginning right. of, what, 2011, 2000, actually, he 2010, re- maybe 2010, 2011, yeah. you know, he really has not had any of those injuries that have, uh, you know, affected him earlier in his career, which mm-hmm. makes me think he may actually be the smart guy to extend first, I guess also contract wise, it makes sense, but also because, you know, he's been a pitcher with a uh, you know with an upper trend over the past couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Homer. If you look at what he's done so far, the, the contract may seem like it's a little bit out of sync with 
a guy who's produced six total wins above replacement according to baseball reference in yeah. his career. But at the same point, you know, that's that's Homer's also operating on a different timeline and a different time frame from pitchers who really go through their six years of team control before free agency. Like mm-hmm. one of his main uh, contemporaries in the would-be free agent class of, you know, after the 2014 season is James Shields, who has put up, you know, now what, like six or seven consecutive 200-inning seasons, maintained health and whatnot. But you're signing a guy who's 32 years old in James Shields after this season, whereas in Homer you're signing a guy who's 27. Right. Like the mm-hmm. Reds brought him up early, oh, so and- he reached – he right. reached, like, you know, payday early, and they're giving him a big payday, but they're also paying him for years that other starters will have established, whereas they're anticipating Homer doing what he's going to do. And, you know, all Homer has to do is just stay healthy, and he's going to be worth at least the first couple of years of his contract. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's rare you have a chance to sign a guy uh, who is, you know, you know, right up against free agency, but is still also 27 years old. And I think there's a... Uh, a, a price equivalent in this contract that you don't see enough to really have much of a precedent. And the Reds went out on a limb to do it, but hell, the last two years, Homer's has done you know everything they would have asked him to do during the contract, and that's kind of what they're hoping for. Right. But also, uh, one of the things that you just brought up, Wick, regarding uh, Homer and he himself being placed in special circumstances comparative to people like Jamie Shields, who is in the same contract time frame, but is also, what, five years older than him. Right. Uh, is probably also the fact that we're, we're at right now in terms of, uh, you know, baseball teams and the influx of additional capital as it relates to uh, television contracts, mm-hmm. Homer's contract may actually be the new normal. Right. You know, you could almost make yeah. that argument. I mean, it, it's one of those things. It could be a really, really good value given what guys are going to get within the next couple of years with all these huge TV deals. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the thing is, is like, you know, normally if, if you've got a guy who's hitting free agency, you're paying him at an advanced age for stuff that, and stats that he's already produced. And so you're not really getting the benefit of his better years. Homer is a unique case because he came up early and even though his, his service time dictates that you are paying him uh, for his past performances, you're actually getting him for still improving years. And mm-hmm. there aren't many free agents at all that come on the, the market at that level. And had he reached free agency after another year of, you know, not Cy Young-worthy caliber pitching, but still, you know, top 30, top 25 in baseball pitching like he has been the last two years, suddenly he's got both the resume of, uh, someone who's done it and someone who's still young enough to keep doing it. And despite, you know, uh, a more quote-unquote accomplished pitchers being up next to him, like a John Lester or a Max Scherzer or a, uh, a James Shields, you know, Homer's still two to three years younger. And the Reds had to take a – they had to take a swing on it. They really did. Like, they were the unique position to be able to pull it off too. And while it, on the surface, might not seem like it adds up, I really think they got a good contract out of it. You know, health be damned. You look at where Homer is in his progression, I think it's a kind of chance that they had to take. And mm-hmm. it's cool to see that the franchise is willing to take that, especially when you look up and you see Latos and Cueto and, and Leak all, you know, potentially be in the same exact situation a year from now. Right. And I know the corollary uh, may not be perfect, you know, in terms between pitchers and position players, but you compare to the money that they invested in Bailey, 
although it's probably three quarters of what they would have invested in Chew, it's probably money more well spent given the entire lifeline of the deal between uh, of the two players. Like if you give Chew six years at age, what is he now? Thirty two. Thirty-one, I think. Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah. 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 Thirty-two, six-year deal. He's probably not going to put up the numbers that you think he's going to put up based on his well, passes. He's not, and he's also he's not going to be earning that deal towards the end of it. Right. It, well, where nobody, where he's, probably, yeah, well, nobody yeah. would be able to. We know Vado won't be probably earning what we think 20, is going to be the last year of his deal, yeah. but. I still at the end of the day think that that's probably going to be a smart deal for the Reds to have made. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Let's hope. Well, uh, speaking of pitching, um, Matt Latos got banged up a little bit. Um, I guess he's uh, – as we're recording, he's going to be throwing tomorrow off the mound for the first time. After off-season surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's anyone's guess as to if he's going to be ready by opening day. At this point, the Reds have been very mum about the subject, and no one's really giving away anything. It sounds like the Reds are kind of preparing for opening day without Matt Latos, which is kind of a scary proposition. So, um, really. What I want to talk about is the contingency plan if Matt Latos isn't ready for opening day. You know, if you know, for example, if he isn't ready until, you know, May first, who would you have as that fifth guy taking starts from now until then? Well, I think the question is going to be when are you going to need a fifth starter? And if you look at the red schedule, they may not necessarily need a fifth starter until I think it's not until the second week. Not until the second week, and even then you may be able to push it to the 21st or 22nd, which may buy you enough time for Latos to get in there and get his grunt work. Right. Uh, In terms of... But at the same time, you can't really... At this point, we can't really count on him being ready. No, you can't, especially if you go based on what happened last year with Johnny Cueto. Yeah. You can never be too confident about a pitcher returning from an injury, regardless of what the injury is. I don't care if it's... uh, you know, a, a knee issue or an elbow issue or, hell, if you're Josh Beckett and you have blisters because right. uh, evidently that's been something that's been plaguing his career. Or if you're Mike Leak and you sneeze and you end up on the DL um, or, you know, five-finger discount and you end up on the DL uh, <laughs> or, you end up, or you end up in Louisville. Regardless of that, I think the uh, – the real question is going to be: When are you going to actually need him, and when is he going? To, when is he going to be comfortable uh, to pitch? Because you don't want to rush him. Well, the, the Reds. He's, I, I, he's also a notoriously slow starter too. That you know, he's always kind of that, been the kind yeah. of guy who gets roughed up in April a little bit, mm-hmm. and then when he gets going, you know, he's that unstoppable, unstoppable starter. Mm-hmm. Which he, it seems like he got ready quicker last year. But that first year in Cincinnati, I think the fans here were ready to run him out of town at well, the end of April. That's because yeah. fans are stupid and because he wasn't throwing a slider enough. Yeah. Once he started throwing that thing, man, but, uh, he was really the same, going the At down. the same time, so who's who's going to take his spot if, if necessary? Yeah, I, I think that they've made it pretty clear that Alfredo Simon is going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't see really anything wrong with that concept. 
Um, Latos, but you look at Joey Votto last year. Like Joey Votto was healthy to start the season, but Joey Votto wasn't healthy for the four months of the off season that he normally put in. You know his uh, leg exercises and his his, uh, his hitting exercises. And Latos has now had you know what six weeks of recovery from a bone spur in his elbow, and now two weeks of recovery for you know, partial arthroscopic surgery in his knee. It's not that he's not healthy on April 1st when the season starts. It's that he's not prepared, and there's no reason to rush that whatsoever. And I think the Reds have afforded themselves the opportunity to be able to uh, to weather that, I think that's probably more to do with the fact that they looked up and thought they were going to lose Bronson Arroyo, and they knew that Johnny Cueto was going to be a little of a question mark. So they built in this, you know, this depth plan, and now it's actually rearing its head because it's Latos that's that's faced injuries as opposed to uh, Cueto or you know Tony Singrani or whoever else that that faced the issues the previous year to cause. You know David Holmberg to be acquired and mm-hmm. and Chiming Wong and uh, and Francis to be resigned to minor league contracts. So it, you can tell that they wanted to build that depth. It, it obviously wasn't for Latos's you know kind of freak injury in spring training, but it's there. And it seems pretty clear that they trust Alfredo Simon to to jump into that role uh, at least early in the season. And if you look at what he's got, you look at his repertoire, you look at his you know his ability to, to dial it up to ninety seven miles an hour. Uh, you look at how he's matured as a pitcher and how he's changed what he throws since he came to the Reds organization, and you can tell they trust him. Like they trust his stuff, and he's got good stuff. And uh, I, I really think that they're willing to give that a shot. And who knows? Like we'll see. But it looks early returns. He's thrown five innings in spring training and had a lot of hit. So there's no real. Uh, uh, a bad juju surrounding that that says that they're going to change their plans, and yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of willing to, to trust him and go with that on, on yeah. this. You know, I'm a little concerned though. I mean, it's you know, since he's been with the Reds, he hasn't been stretched out like that, and I think that you you might be taxing your bullpen a lot if you have a guy who can only pitch, you know, four or five innings and in a start. You might you might be but taxing your bullpen a little bit, but if you know, if you I mean, it play- seems like it seems like he's been that guy before. Um, in 2011 with Baltimore, he started a bunch of games with them, and if you look at the you know his game logs from that year, went into the seventh inning you know a number of times, and so it sounds like physically he can do it. I just. We just haven't seen it in a Reds uniform, so it's tough. It's tough to feel good about it right now. So, Wick, if you look at last year, the way they started the season, I think like through the first two turns of the rotation, JJ Hoover from the bullpen had actually thrown the fourth most pitches. (laughs) That's because Dusty doesn't didn't know how to manage a bullpen. Uh, That that being said, Wick, do you think that if just based on what you said regarding Lytos and the amount of time that he may have missed in preparing him uh, himself for the season, do you think it would make sense for him to stay down and like? Good year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the, yeah, GC, yeah. the GCL Reds are still uh, in. No, oh, they're not. AZL Reds. AZL Reds. Okay. You think they should stay in? Uh, you, th- <laughs> you think it would make sense for him to stay down there for extended spring training? I think what you look at him and you say is, you say, look, look, like you've basically lost anywhere between six and ten weeks worth of your postseason to spring training regimen. It doesn't mean you're not capable. It doesn't mean you're not, you know, 
you can't go out there and throw 110 pitches, touch 97 miles an hour, strike out eight guys, and win a game. Uh, what it means is, is like when you go out five days later, you're weaker than you would have been had you had that buildup. I think you look at Matt Latos and you say, look, nothing about what you've been injured with and nothing about what you've had surgery on is endemic. Nothing about that is going to cost you the ability to be an effective pitcher. But you're going to get 30 starts this year, and you're going to pitch 180 regular season innings, and you're going to be ready for the playoffs. And if that means you sit out till April 25th, that's what you do. Right. And there's no, you know, I mean, hell, from a, from a, from his perspective and his agent's perspective, if they're thinking about, oh, well, he's not going to throw a 200-inning season or whatever, like that, that, that could cost him in contract negotiations going forward. Mm-hmm. He could also go out there and throw three clunkers and start out, you know, by his fourth start at, at minus four war on the season, and that could cost you in arbitration. So I think what you look up and you say is, we've got the depth, we need you, but we need you at your best you know, go do what you do and pitch a start and rehab or whatever and join us the second, you know, or maybe the third round of the rotation mm-hmm. and be fine with that because it's just silly not to. Yeah. And, you know, and you brought up too that, you know, if, if assuming the Reds, if the Reds make the playoffs, you know, then you have Matt Latos on 180 innings instead of 210 innings. And right. you have, he has that much more in the tank at the end of the season, which yeah, could I mean, could I, come into play. I think what Clayton Kershaw did like 260 innings last year because yeah. of the playoffs as well. Like, yeah, I mean, shaving off even two starts, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's what, like, what, 12 and a half or maybe, what, 13 innings? That's yeah, an LLCS. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, just, just, just bump it back and know that he's that much fresher towards the end of the season and that much better to start when he gets started. It just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when you've got Simon who I, like I said, I, I, I trust him to make the maturation back in terms of, you know, innings thrown into a starter. I don't trust him for 150 innings a year. Like, no, but at the same point, if you need somebody who can start out as a starter and then dial it back as everybody becomes more healthy, I think he's shown he's the kind of guy that can do that. Cause I think what do you have? Like seventy appearances last year, almost eighty appearances. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. And even then, you know, you have the uh, contingency plan, which sounds like it would be uh, Holmberg. Which, yeah. you know, which you know, you three times is the kind of guy time. where yeah, you give you give him a shot at it, and you know, hope that he kind of provides a change of pace. Yeah, kind of like uh, what you, uh, Hoover did last year in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. You know, and that worked out. Right. Why not? Yeah. All right, so um, next next on the docket, um, we had some. You don't like that word? I don't like that word. That reminds me too much of work. <laughs> Agenda. There you go. Agenda. Agenda. I hardly even know. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> so midseason form already done. <laughs> hey. <Hey-o. laughs> so. Um, I guess one thing we can talk about is uh, today Ryan Ludwig had some comments um, in his kind of post-game meeting with the media. and They weren't fun lyrics, were they? They were uh, Not this time. <laughs> not, not Beastie Boys, not fun. Not fun dot. Yeah, none of that. He was a little... It was pretty not fun, if I'm being honest. Mm, not He's, fun dot. Uh, pretty, I guess... 
According to uh, Ludwig, he's sick of hearing about a shoulder injury. So he's salty. A little bit. Yeah. And uh, I guess he kind of didn't, I wouldn't say he snapped at the media, but it seems like he kind of got short with a couple of the guys, which is exactly how you want to go into the season. Uh, You know, I I guess it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth after how he ended last season with talking about the fans not not selling out. <laughs> all this. Oh, like, he's like. It, seems, it, oh. it sounds like you know he's he's not um, concerned about the shoulder thing at all, but he wants us to stop talking about it. And I guess he kind of backed it up today by hitting a home run. Stop talking at me! Knock it off! Yeah, but Ryan then, yeah, style. But part of that, you know, he mentioned that. You know, the me- he's talking to the media members saying that, you know, hey, you don't know. You're not professional athletes. And, and, and what, seriously. What do you think of Ryan, Ryan Lovick's comments? Seriously, before we get into the fact that uh, – before we get into the argument that these people are in the media and they don't know what they're talking about compared to people that were playing professional baseball for some point in time. Okay, the Cincinnati media, I'm sorry – it's not exactly cutthroat. We're not exactly dealing with page six gossip columnists. We're dealing with John Fay. We don't, you know, you don't. We're have... dealing with C. Trent Rosecrans, and frankly, as individuals that have, uh, you know, spoken with them before, they're pretty sociable and even keeled folks. They're now, not. Yeah, neither one of those guys <laughs> I would classify as unfair. Yeah, you know, like. They come. They come to Cincinnati because they are journalists. Journalists. They just report on what's there, and anything that's not there, they don't want to get into gossip. That's why they're not in New York. That's why they're not. That's why they're not printing the back page of the New York Post. Exactly. You know. know, I don't. Yeah. Now, if your if your production does not equate to what either a your contract is or b the back of your baseball card, yeah, they're going to ask you questions about it because they're concerned about it, and they they, no, they imagine reporters. their readership. It is their job yeah. to ask questions. Yeah, it's their job to ask questions about it because they know that their readers are going to be concerned about it. Right. So, yeah, if you're coming off a sur- shoulder surgery and your 2012 numbers were, regardless or not, if it was a small sample size insignificant compared to your 2011 numbers, I'm sorry, that's fair gain. They're not asking about who you shacked up with or what you were doing last week with that guy that looks like he may be in a boy band. That has absolutely no consequence whatsoever. And they're not asking you about that. They're asking you actual questions that, you know, when when you live under a microscope, it's fair game. Yeah, and the way I look at it, there, there's there's two major things that kind of stick out as why this kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The first is it's, it's an obvious swing by Walt Jockety on a guy that the St. Louis Cardinals got rid of. And he instantly came here and said, you know, to the extent that I can remember the quote, it was roughly, you know, quote, I heard this was a baseball town when I signed up here, and now people aren't showing up. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you come from uh, the organization that is literally the uh, the apple of the eye of the Cincinnati Reds right now, it's, there's no hiding the fact that the Reds have tried to emulate themselves after what the Cardinals have done, and they've gone after former players and former executives and former owners in order to make that happen. 
and then you rub the fans the wrong way. Then you get signed to a big contract, go out and hurt yourself with the injury that uh, has ended the careers of plenty of players before, and then seem incensed about the fact that uh, counting on you is kind of a, uh, a risky idea. That 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 just that that there's an air of uh, I, I don't know what it is. It's not arrogance. It's either aloofness or naivete. I can't really tell, but there's something that's a disconnect there, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you know. Those 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 uh, several things molded together just kind of tells me, like, what the hell? Like, what what am I missing, or what is he missing? You know? Right. And I I, I would defer to him just based on grounds of aloofness or naivete, as opposed to I don't know what the alternative would be, just straight out trolling, uh, because yeah. clearly that's not in his best interest. But also, you know. It, I, 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 I understand where he may say, oh, th- this team is not the baseball town I signed up for. Well, just see, just wait and see and help produce yeah, what you helped produce in St. Louis. It's kind, like, of, it's, it's kind of on you for, yeah. for not, you know, if the fans, you know, if you were sitting playing, you know, 140 games producing like you, we expect from you then, you know, maybe the fans might have a different viewpoint on that. And more importantly, if the Reds were... You might have a better... Yeah, and if the Reds had gone to uh, three World... Or three, four World Series within the past 12 years, there probably would be more people per game as opposed to the folks that showed up when we were throwing people out there every fifth day, like... Right, it's it's his job to bring that here. Not Lance our Davis. job to, you know, provide that for him. He's not paying us. The second point, all of that aside, like that's one thing for somebody who is 27 and got traded here. Mm-hmm. Dude's 35, going to be 36 this season. <laughs> the questions were going to be there had you shredded your shoulder or not. Like, yeah. you, you are making more money than 22 of the other players on the 25-man roster. You missed all of last season except for the part where you played and sucked. Yeah. There are going to be questions, even if you are a mm-hmm. the eighth best player on a St. Louis Cardinals roster or a guy who is being counted on to be potentially the number four hitter in a lot of lineups on the Cincinnati Reds roster. Right. If you don't see those kind of questions coming – What's the, what, what's the disconnect? You know, there's something else that's there, and I don't know what it is because, for all intents and purposes, it sounds like everybody else in the locker room gets along with him. Mm. I, I, I don't know why he chose this particular instance to take issue. You know, right? And this is clearly probably not his first rodeo, and of course, we don't know what the uh, inside politics were of who actually asked that question and what the context was. Uh, you know, so. I'm willing to defer to the fact that he seems extremely well liked by his teammates, and you know his teammates seem like pretty cool guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to step into a situation where 
you know, those really cool guys may also be the types of people that also sometimes act like jerks, which is what they do to reporters. At if, times. Uh, last season was not any indication. At times, yes. Yeah. By the way, while you're at it, another great podcast, the Dot Show. <laughs> uh, with our, yeah, with our, our buddy Trent Reskrens. Yeah. Unsolicited plug, but yeah. timely given the context. Yeah, um, exactly. So, you know... It, it's difficult to, you know, impugn that much uh, of what Ludwig said as like aloofness or just plain not caring, as opposed to, you know, just perhaps maybe being exasperated by having to continually answer the questions. But you know, it, it comes with the territory, and you should, you know, you should be ready for that. Because you should know and you should have publicists to say, hey, at the end of the day, this is going to make you look like a jerk. Just answer it. Who cares? And move on. Right. All right. <sighs> All right. Well, moving on, I, I think it's uh, mailbag time. Oh, speaking of things that we just have to answer and move on, uh, <laughs> what type of questions do we have this week, Pete? <laughs> Good transition. So, uh, we, as we do before these shows, we posted on redreporter.com. Last week. Last week. Uh, we posted because we were going to record this last week, but it fell through. Thanks, Snow. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you for the weather for that. So, we have questions from there. We have a couple of questions from Twitter. And uh, let, let's rock and roll. Let's do Twitter first because they're vaguely less anonymous. Yeah. Vaguely. <laughs> Oh man, let's let's go big to start out. All right, let's. All right, we're we're gonna take a question from Red's director of uh, public relations or di- no digital digital content. Oh, Lisa, okay. Your title now, Lisa Braun. Oh, our, our good friend Lisa yeah, Braun. Lisa. Oh, groovy. So uh, she asks, who is the smartest Red Reporter writer? Which I didn't expect Lisa to get this inside with it. Like, you know, this is. This, you know, people who know the site are going to probably have a lot more insight on this. So, um, huh, it's it's a tougher question than uh, than I realized. Well, I'm going to be diplomatic, and I'm going to say Ken, because at the end of the day, we are all Ken. Oh, going even Ken. more inside. Which means we all have law degrees, right? We all do. We are all... <laughs> We, we could all practice law. I'll settle for that. that, 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 that amen. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, I bet, really, that's really not... Uh, I bet I paid a lot less for this one than you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just as smart, if not smarter, because, <laughs> than those that actually did pay for it. So, absolutely. Uh, I would say Graham, because Graham understands the stat stuff, like the advanced stats, more than any person that I know. Well, yeah, particularly if we can't include Joel, I would definitely go with Graham. Oh, I, yeah, Joel right. doesn't count, oh, though. Yeah, we can't he's, count Joel. He, he, he's uh, emeritus. Yes. So. Yeah, we can't, we, we can't claim slide anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Graham's a, Graham's a solid solid choice. The dude has all of his ducks in a row in a very accountant way, which uh, means which, it's right, and I trust him on all which, of the stuff he pulls out. He's an accountant, so he works with numbers all the time, so... Yeah. He's good at it anyway. Let's take one from the uh, 
from the thread. Let's take a retro head one. How about that? Oh, great. So, back to Ludwig. How bad of a slash line does Ludwig have to put up in the first month to be benched? And do we expect Brian Price to give him a long rope because of the lack of other options at left field? 180, 220. That's the third part of the slash. Slugging. Slugging. Yeah. 356. <laughs> okay. Wick? Yeah, I'm going to say point zero 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 slash zero 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 slash point zero zero zero. Ludwig was terrible. At the start of the season in 2012, too, you know, yeah, he's he's a guy who has pretty consistently taken his time to get going, even in the seasons he's had quote unquote great seasons. Well, I don't, not quote unquote. He has had a couple great seasons, and given the, given the fact that they're counting on him more now uh, than they were even in 2012, based on which side of the plate he bats from, where he's going to bat in the lineup, and how much they're paying him. I don't see them giving him any less of a leash now than they did two years ago when he was less of a priority and less of an emphasis. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to give him a long leash provided he's healthy, which he, you know, he insists, obviously as of today, he insists he is. If he's healthy, they're going to give him a shot because literally, A, other than Chris Heisey, who's also going to be covering center field some, they don't have a whole lot of other options. And B, They've shown they're going to do it in the past. Um, I, I think we're stuck with Ludwig if he's bad mid-May at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Right, and that was well. That, that, you actually, I was just looking this up while you guys were, you were Wick was talking. But so you mentioned a one eighty ish slash line. His slash line in April of two thousand twelve was one ninety two sixty six three ninety seven. So, and he was not benched at that. I mean, of he, course he not, got no. he got less of the starts. I think a little bit. Well, and I think I, I think he Wick, never got like he, he only played was, in thirteen games in that. Great season under the books. Because twenty twelve turned into a good year. Like that yeah. was well, twenty twelve did his, turn out be, be, did turn out to be a good year, and that was after a couple of real stinker years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. slumming it in Pittsburgh and San Diego. Now, Wick, you bring up a good point regarding who's going to be the next man in. Is it going to be Heisey? And if Billy Hamilton's struggling, Heisey's probably going to spend a decent amount of time in center field. So what the what is the contingency after that? You're dealt again with the scrap heap, more or less. You dealt with Donald Lutz, who struggled over three levels last year. And um, he... And, you know, never proven himself yeah, as much as, we so, like, yeah. as much as we love Donald Lutz, I do not think that he may be prepared for everyday left field duties. Yeah, yeah. Die Hard or Roadhouse? This is a movie question. Die Hard, ten times out of ten. Die, I think Die Hard 3 over Roadhouse, actually. I, I, I will agree that Die Hard is better than Roadhouse. With a vengeance. I'm sorry. But I think you're underrating Roadhouse a little bit. I'm going to go with Roadhouse. Wow. Wow. All right. I think you guys, you, much like you, we forget what Ludwig did before his shoulder was hurt. We forget what Bruce Willis could do with hair. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roadhouse. All right. Another... I'm a Swayze guy. I, I, I could deal with some Swayze. Yeah. That's, that's reasonable. That's, that's good Swayze. 
Yeah, that is good Swayze. So, all right, next next one in line is from our buddy Madville. Where did it go? It's like five words. You can't remember it. So, all right, Scarlett Johansson or Jennifer Lawrence? That's a little bit tougher. Scarlett, hands down, absolutely. Just look at her filmography. (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence ever worked with Woody Allen? I don't Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence is from Kentucky. Um, I'm going to go Jennifer Lawrence. You're going to go. I'm going to go with Scarlett Johansson because my better judgment. I would rather hang out with Jennifer Lawrence, but... No, no, you hang out with Scarlett Johansson, she'll introduce you to cooler people than Scarlett Johansson. If you hang out with Jennifer Lawrence, you'll just, you know, deal with the same cretin. Well, see, now I will be walking away with Jennifer Lawrence while you two get to decide which one of you gets to have <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. I don't, so. know that's, I don't know if that's how that works. I chose wisely. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Madville. Yeah, thanks, buddy. All right, one more. Um, actually, this is one that I overlooked in the thread, but um, predictions for Devin Mezzarocco this year. What do, what do we think that he's going to do? You know, I've, I've said since, uh, I don't know, not since he was drafted. I'm trying to remember when I first went on record with this, that he reminds me an absolute ton of David Ross. Um, his swing reminds me of it. Uh, his, his numbers remind me of it. Um, his size, everything about what he does. Like when I watch him, if I take the face off of who I'm watching, I see David Ross. And now David Ross has had, you know, heck, he had a 20 home run season for the Reds at one point. Um, he's turned himself into a very good defensive catcher. The more experience he got after starting out not being the best defensive catcher, um, I, I still kind of see that. You know, maybe the Reds will give Mezzarocco more time uh, as the starter and get 450, 500 plate appearances as a result. In which case, you know, if he puts it all together in the right scenario, things could go great. They might also uh, hold him back a little bit because they don't see it all being there. Um, I think Mezzarocco's got talent. I just don't know if he's ever going to be a full-time guy as a catcher just because I don't think teams are – kind of like NFL teams are gone to the uh, – the running back by committee, I think catching by committee has become a thing uh, in baseball. And so I don't know if you ever see him get the, the full-fledged opportunity to have a 600-at-bat season. That said, I think he can get 275. I think he can get on base at a 340 clip. And he can hit the hell out of the ball. So, you know, if they if they play him against the right kind of pitchers, they put him in the right scenarios, you can get a 780, maybe 800 OPS out of him. Um, but I don't see that top end, middle of the order, uh, you know, uh, 900 OPS all star guys who need 25 home runs. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are, just because, you know, we've we've seen this just as we've been following through the minor leagues. Because, you know, as with any Reds first round pick, there's a lot of scrutiny there. There always has been, and. You know, just watching him come up, you know, it seemed like he would take a little bit of time to get used to whatever level he was at. You know, there was, you know, there was years where he was batting, you know, 200 and high A and everyone was writing him off. Right, yeah. And the next next year he, 
you know, hit 320 and be right back the next and to the next level. So I, I just think that he's been adjusting to the major leagues, and I think that he's gotten better. You know, I don't know if the numbers bear it out, but he it seems like he's been getting better every year. And yeah, I, th- I think that you know he he has that talent to be that guy. Well, yeah. But you know, as far as being a hitter goes, and I I think that. The, but the best case is probably that that twenty five home run guy, who, and you know you don't need to not OPS nine hundred to be a an all star catcher in this league anymore. I mean, you know, with a lot of the you know hell, Deonor Navarro for crying out loud. Yeah, you've got you've got guys that you know don't either hit for a high average or you know can hit for a little bit of power that you you don't have the, the Mike Piazzas. You know, are are few and far between at this point. Well, so, yeah, and like AJ yeah. Pierzynski's are revered at right. this point. There, you know, career. yeah, this is this is an era where AJ AJ Pierzynski's in his what 18th season or something, yeah. like some ridiculous like that. So. Hey, right. <laughs> I, I I mean, in terms of uh, you know what I expect him to do, Beak, I think you bring up a good point that there have been several times in his minor league career where a lot of the critics have left him for dead. Like, I remember when he was starting off in A-ball, they are like, oh, clearly this guy is a bust. Clearly he is not going to be able to turn the corner. How can you ever do it? You're starting off at, like, a 180 clip. Yeah. And then later on, he ends up putting together a pretty respectable year, and the next year he absolutely crushes it. Yeah. And, you know, you look at his improvement, I guess his first year in the major leagues, he just looked completely lost when he was a uh, call-up in 2011. Or 2012. Uh, 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. And the last year, he started to look a little bit more comfortable, get his sea legs a bit. And I fully expect him to improve a little bit this year. Now, I am also a bit more optimistic that I don't think he's going to end up with uh, you know a career that would look a bit like a journeyman catcher. Penciling him in as cleanup between Votto and Bruce over, you know, in 2015. Right. Right, I think. Yeah. And the, the, the other caveat is, is he doesn't have the opportunity like a Buster Posey or like a Joe Maurer or like a Carlos Santana or like even a Mike Napoli to where they can rotate, you know, him into being in the lineup as a DH or as a first baseman on his his non-catching days. They right. can't get him those plate appearances unless he's stuck behind the plate. Because of Joey Votto, there is the first baseman there who's going to be playing every single day. Right. So he doesn't have, you know, the same uh, top end prospects of, you know, a free quote unquote uh, hundred plate appearances because they can kind of shuffle them in and around. He's got to catch, and he's got to catch every day. He's going to get in a bat, and I think it's been his defense that has kind of held that ability back. Not because he wasn't capable, but more because Ryan Hannigan was really freaking good at it. And, you know, I think now he's going to have to assume, you know, that, you know, the the quote-unquote catching guru guy of the the roster because Hannigan's not here. And there's just a part of me that thinks that there might be one more year before Mesoraco really has the chance to kind of take off. Not that I'm calling him to hit 30 home runs next year. Not that I think he'll be terrible this year. I think there's still that transition of him being the – you know the guy calling the pitches every single game of a top five pitching staff. It's going to kind of take precedent 
before he really has a chance to offensively, you know, explode, so to speak. Well, that's good because that means we can possibly get him for cheap for one less year then. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 Uh, That'd be good. Yeah, that being said, I will, I guess, at the end of the day, put on my optimist hat and say that offensively the Reds will outproduce at the catcher position compared to what they produced in 2013, just based with the Hannigan injury. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of uh, Brian Pena, who I guess what was the greatest free agent acquisition of 2013 offseason? Yeah, Nerds. probably. Yeah. Nerds. Nerds Nation. Yeah. Yeah, so so what? Like uh, seven minutes later, what are our predictions for Mesoraco? I'm going to say uh, he hits 260 with 12 home runs, OPS about 730, and uh, plays, you know, I guess, maybe 455 plate appearances. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, I mean, around, I, uh, so I'm, I would think that he'd have a little bit more power than that, but I think... Your average is probably around where I would guess, around two sixty ish and yeah. you know, twenty ish home runs. But these are yeah, these are very rough predictions. Right. <laughs> be right be right, BK. Be better be more right than I am, please. Yeah, hopefully. We appreciate that. They need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess like two sixty five, two seventy on the high end, uh OBP maybe what? Uh, if he's six, hitting 265, 270, then I'll just bump the OBP up to about 345. Why the heck not? And then... That's like... That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. As, as I said before, I still have the Optimus. I'll, I'll take on. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then home runs, you know, maybe 25, 27. What have you. off, man. I mean, yeah. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Yeah. So uh, make sure to uh, tweet us your comments, questions about the show. Um, Criticisms. You can keep those to yourself probably. Yeah, that's how we get better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us how bad we edited all of the crap that we didn't want you to hear out. Yes, so, <laughs> yes. By, by, by the way, if you love what I've done to uh, Wick this evening, then you'll love my new album of, in, you know, just taking the classics and adding auto-tune to them. <laughs> yeah. You have not heard Do Wah Diddy until you've heard it auto-tuned. All right. Well, uh, all right. So, yeah, make sure to go find us at redreporter.com. Um, find us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Red Reporter fans. Or if you're going to be really creepy, try to find one of us on Skype. Don't. Don't do that. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Facebook, though, uh, did you know that we had the most uh, new Facebook likes out of any uh, SB Nation baseball blog last week? Oh, really? We did. Yeah. For real. I guess we, that's because... We what? beat everyone else. We beat Brisby and... Over the all, past all thirty days, or, or wait, was uh, it just a week? Oh, the past I, I, week. I'm not gonna. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. I have started posting everything I write on Red Reporter on Facebook. I know. Oh, and I hey, just stopped using it's, it. It's paying off. Yeah. Yeah. So right on. So yeah, go go like us on Facebook, guys. So 
Yeah. All right. Or in unlike all the other SB site, SB Nation sites while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. That'll go over real well with the brass. All right. Well, uh, right. we already knocked Listen, the alley we are, we are We are signing <laughs> off for the evening. Um, Bye, guys. See you guys. See ya.